welcome to Wrong Opinions Only with your hosts, Justin and Kayla. And this week, we'll be doing another movie review with a little bit of a twist, though. We did not pick a specific movie for each of us to review this month. We actually drew the X-Men card in our little uh, pick-a-movie theme out of a hat, which basically forced us to watch all 10 of kind of the original X-Men movies and we're going to kind of discuss them cohesively here on this pod. was not really the best time to have to uh, fit in 10 movies when we have the holidays coming up. We're very busy uh, with work and other things around the house. But somehow we made it happen. We watched five of them together, five of them separate, just finished Dark Phoenix. And now we're down here getting yeah, ready we're, to Yeah, we're hot off the press of Dark Phoenix. So, so if we don't have that uh, that same level of energy we normally have, it's because we were defeated by how dark Phoenix was. <laughs> yes, yes. Again, the highest of highs with Logan, and then uh, the lowest of lows, almost yeah. perhaps with Dark Phoenix. Um, and we did watch them or try to watch them in order of release date. A usual switch up from generally we try to watch it in sequence of events can be very, very hard to do with X Men, who just really love to mess with the timeline. So yeah, you had the original three, and then you had okay on uh, Origins for Wolverine, and then they go back in time, and then they go forward in time. And then they go back in time, but when they go back in time, do they change the future of time? Therefore, do the first three movies never actually happen because the sixth movie changed how everything after that occurred? Baffling to think about. We'll try not to get caught up too much in the weeds on this. I say that now, but once we actually get going on the pod, it's probably going to come up again. Yeah, because it, it definitely shifts major changes in the X-Men series, some for the good, some for bad. And so it's hard not to talk about the split of timelines without saying what we think about them because they change so much. So, yeah, we watch a lot of X-Men. We love the X-Men. We have rich history of X-Men. We do a lot of rewatching of them. Um, it's kind of our thing we do together. Uh, we haven't had a release in a little bit. Um, 2019, I believe, was the last film that we saw. Was Actually, we saw it together in theaters. We do try to see them in theaters. Well, we saw New Mutants. Yes. But that was not considered in our rewatch. What mm-hmm. we did was kind of the main characters. So X-1, 2, 3, Origins Wolverine, First Class, Days of Future Past, The Wolverine, Dark Phoenix, and Apocalypse are the ones that we, uh, we watched and are going to review here today. Yep, so we left out the New Moons and the Deadpools. Uh, we kind of left one of the original, some sort of markers of the originals had to be in it for us to do rewatch, which saved us from, you know, watching, what, 13, 14 films instead of just 10, so. Yeah, Deadpool, yeah. Yeah, or there's, what, two or three there's Deadpools? Two, yeah, 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 so. two, yeah, so. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's get into it, because X-Men, you know, again, one of our favorites. We always try to see them together. Um, for good or for worse, depending on what one was coming out at the time. But let's answer a couple questions, I think, to kind of lead us into a ranking that we're going to do with the films. Where they rank in our minds, um, you know, from 10 to 1. So, Oh, we're, oh, we're going backwards order. I we're like going to go backwards order, I like yes. It. I think that's that's the play here. So I want to know your origin story, you know. Let, let's be comics. Um, how did you first get into X-Men? Was it the films, comics, cartoons? Uh, yeah, for me, it was the cartoons. I was a big cartoons fan, especially uh, in my younger days. And I did, would buy, my mom would buy me some of the uh, 
the comics for X-Men, which I was a big fan of, and then into the video games. And I think that's what really solidified it because I got mm, to play okay. all the characters in the video games. It was fun. You kind of get to take on uh, who you're, what character you're playing that day, and it kind of gets you more of a, a feel like you're inside the series, which I really enjoyed. So, yeah, I think it started with the TV series, a little bit of the comics, but the video games is really what brought it home. What about you? I didn't even think about the video games, so that's an interesting kind of entrance into it. Um, I was not very much a comics book kid, but the X-Men series were ones that I would read, um, I think, because it's just a broad world. But like you said, the cartoons, uh, X-Men Evolution came out in 2000. I watched that religiously. Um, I love the storylines. Like, I got really into it, and I just, I mean... You know, instead of just following one character, X-Men had so many characters with powers. And I think it was just an exciting world to follow as a kid and still follow as an adult. Yeah, it'll get me every time when there's a group of people who have extraordinary abilities, but they're not sure exactly how to use them or they don't know how to control them. Like that is pretty much a hook that gets me every time as long as it's like a decently done show, movie, comic book, whatever it is. And X-Men, like you said, has so many different characters has and has evolved so much over time that you can uh, kind of change your viewing habits or how you view the characters as you get older. Maybe when you're younger, you're like, oh, Cyclops is awesome. He's the man. You get older, you're like, yeah, he's kind of a little bit of a, you know, not a big fan of Cyclops, you know. Yeah, they do him dirty. I mean, of course, Cyclops was the original X-Men, the first X-Men, and, you know, I can't see the films were kind to him. He kind of was... He sucks. A throwaway character. He you sucks. Know, he, he, he didn't get the best, the best lines. You know who he reminds best. me of? He reminds who? me in Power Rangers of the Red Ranger. Oh. And Wolverine reminds me of the Green Ranger, because the Red Ranger wants to be the Green Ranger, but guess what? The Green Ranger gets with the girl that the Red Ranger tries to get with, and then it's just kind of like the badder, cooler guy but the other one's kind of the leader of the group but people kind of respect uh wolverine or the green ranger more long hair you know cooler gear yeah okay i can follow that yeah Yeah, we'll do there okay good one um let's talk about who our favorite x-men character is and why i know it's hard there's a lot of characters and again to say you love one is not to say you hate all else but i guess who sticks out yeah well my favorite character is gambit Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't know Gambit, then, uh, you know, shame on you, but then you watched yeah. all the movies cause yeah, he, very much he was only in a, um, origins Wolverine for a brief time, but I, I just kind of liked his style. He was kind of a cooler roguish character. Wasn't really with the group the whole time. He kind of sat back and did his own thing and would come in to help when needed his um his skill was a little different too. It wasn't just a basic oh you can fly oh you can uh, you have claws oh you can heal you know his was a little bit more um, off the beaten path where he can kind of manipulate kinetic energy and his main thing was you know throwing cards and using them basically as bombs or flash grenades and he had a bow staff who doesn't love a freaking bow staff like that's badass probably also why the purple. Uh, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle was my favorite too, Donatello, because bow staffs are where where it's at. So, 
Gambit Both for staffs me. getting a real shout out today. Really, I'm pod, telling you. you know? I don't know what it is, man. It just, it just seems cool because it's like, I don't need a gun. I don't need some knives. I got some bow staffs and I'll still beat your ass with it. You know, Having played with a bow staff or two in my time, they are super fun yeah. to play around with and hit people with, I will say. You just you just hit people with bow staffs, Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, usually in the class I was taking, it was, you know, performative bow staff moves. But yeah, occasionally you show, you know, I could really work a stick. <laughs> All right, kid. What, who is your favorite character? Rogue, 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 Rogue. Everything comes up Rogue. I mean, she's my favorite character from the start. If we're talking at the cartoons where I was watching as a kid, um, you know, she was like the relatable teen. She was this like yeah. runaway teen. She had this dark past. Big fan of characters and anything that has just horrible backstories. Don't know why. That's who I am. Um, and her and Gambit had a thing too, right? They were so married like, in yeah. the comics, yeah. And I, I mean, the comics—I will say—the movies I don't think did Rogue the best, no. even though she was a fan favorite from the get-go. And so they should have kind of—they did for Mystique what they should have done for Rogue, I think, um, at the time. But they worked with what they had in the two thousands, and that's the Rogue we got. I mean, in the comics, she's actually taken in by Mystique. As a teen, and like she works in the Brotherhood, which was in the cartoons and Evolution, uh, kind of the bad guy group of the X Men. Um, she takes, she deals with Captain Marvel. She takes her powers, um, and that's kind of when she goes to the X Men to kind of get help. That's kind of like her turning mm. on the other side of things. So she just had like a way richer backstory interest. And well, we did buy the rogue. We cut did buy edition. the rogue cut edition of was um, that Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past. And such a waste. It was like two scenes with Rogue. But even then, they knew enough that Rogue was, a, you know, people were a fan of her to make a Rogue edition, even though it was like two extra. It was scenes like 30 her. seconds. She extra, wasn't in yeah. the film, like, you know, otherwise. So, yeah, I still liked it, though. Rogue edition still with it. But <laughs> there wasn't really much to it. Um, so but yeah, Rogue. Our, so our favorites are Gambit and Rogue, probably a little bit uh, <laughs> out there. I think uh, you're going to... And yet the X-Men connected to each other. So in, <laughs> yeah, in any X-Men universe. <laughs> I think most people probably are like, what, Wolverine is probably the most popular. Definitely. Yeah. I think in the movies, for sure. Like, if you're a follower of just the movies. But I think Wolverine's like the standout 100%. Wolverine's the guy. And that's yeah. why he is the main guy featured in the majority of the films. Well, yeah, that's like all these movies. There's 10 movies, like we said. And they pretty much focus on Wolverine, mm -hmm. Magneto, and Jean Grey. That's yeah. pretty much like every movie, movie kind of boils down to one of those three characters and the other ones are and kind of side And Professor pieces. X, I'd say. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I think Magneto, eh, I guess, like, yeah, especially would... first class is more Professor yeah, even, X. Yeah, even one through three, I mean, he's always having, like, the problem of the movie, right? Like, poisoned by Cerebro or, mm -hmm. or being controlled, you know, with Stryker and his son. Like, he is kind of like the director of the film's most of the plot. Oh, good old, good old Charles. Um, so it's hard not to talk about the X-Men without talking about other Marvel films, which, of course, the Avengers. I'm yep. kind of lumping Iron Man to Endgame all in that. Um, how did they compare? They're, they were eight years apart. I think that's important to say. X-Men, the first one came out in 2000 with Iron Man, the first in the Marvel Phase 1, came out in 2008. Eight years is a big gap. I think what happened is X-Men was trying to be Marvel before Marvel, but it didn't have the full long-term thought process mm -hmm. going into it where they're like, we can turn this into a whole verse, the yes. X-Men verse, kind of like the Marvel verse. And 
They tried to do that by going back in time, bringing younger actors in to play the characters at younger ages, but it wasn't really conceived all at once. So it was kind of patched together. So there's a lot of plot holes. There's a lot of things that don't make sense with the time travel mechanics Mm -hmm. of everything. So I think it was kind of that first foray into, okay, we're going to make these big blockbuster superhero movies and we're going to tie a whole bunch of them together. It's going to be a huge series and it's not going to just be like one or two films or three films like uh, it typically was uh, Batman, how X-Men started before they decided to kind of try their hand at uh, expanding it out. And Marvel probably took some some notes from that saying, okay, I see what X-Men is doing seems like a good plan but let's think out kind of the long-term implications of each of these characters and how they interact with each other five six seven ten movies down the line because i mean marvel there's what like 20 something movies in that whole series now and they all take into account the ones that happened before and after yes very true i think that's exactly it i mean x-men walked so marvel avengers could run i think um, you know, outside of just talking about how they're able to film and edit and add all these effects in, outside of the difference between that, which I think is just always going to be clear with gaps in films, um, I just think that they didn't have the vision, you know, like you're saying. Yeah. I mean, we're in phase four now of Marvel um, in terms of the superheroes. And so they talk about Endgame. They were thinking long game from day one. It's it's extraordinary uh, it's <laughs> going back and seeing the little ways that they reference a film that's like 13 films later. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. And so X-Men, I mean, one of the biggest frustrations I have with X-Men is that you can just create endless films. There's... You can make up powers for mutants, and there it is. I mean, yep. that's even outside of the extremely vast pool of X-Men you could do movies on. And so X-Men could be could have been just as comparable to, you know, Avengers if they kind of had that. And I, I think it's important to know, of course, the differences between them. The start, you know, in 1993 when Marvel... Um, you know, was poor, shred for cash, and yeah. then they sold the rights of X-Men to 20th Century Fox. Um, and then Spider-Man, of course, got sold to Sony. So it kind of creates this entire Marvel umbrella world that is separated by film studios and control. And so that's also one of the major differences between them. Um, but right now I'm excited because Marvel, uh, of course, um, was bought by Disney, yeah. You have Sony working a deal to share rights with Disney um, so they can kind of borrow Spider-Man and kind of, you know, however inner workings. And that was very hard to make. I remember following that very closely because it was like not going to happen, was going to happen. Um, and then, of course, they got Disney bought 20th Century Fox. So mm-hmm. they got X-Men and um, what's that? Uh, the four, the Incredible Incredible. Oh, oh shoot. Yeah, the four uh Fantastic Four. Yes, my brother yeah. loves them. He's, he's, really? he's huh. he was very much a comics kid. Um very much. Like he can just I feel like he can tell you every storyline. And I found them the most boring. I mean, part of it might be the way the films did them, but I found them to be the most boring kind of X-Men's superhero much more movie. Yeah. yeah. So so that is also part of the difference, right? You're having three different areas doing films that have the same stories and of course comics what I like about comics is that you just follow a storyline you like. We're talking about different timelines in films, but comics notoriously one seven comics of Spider-Man is a completely different world from this. And they yeah. constantly 
uh, go against each other. They constantly cross, cancel out things, have sometimes change genders. Like they're constantly playing around with like what the superhero is and what their story and backstory is. So, I mean, they're hard to do, but X-Men, you, you, you still could be great. And I, I think maybe you will, but you, you fell off. You fell off a little. We'll see. It seemed like they were trying, um, when they came out with or announced like the um, origins Wolverine story, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Yes. This is a pivot. They're gonna like do origin stories from like some of the favorite characters. And they had Magneto planned, and they had Gambit. We heard was planned yes, at one point. Yeah, that. And then and those burned. all fell through, and they kind of went with the approach of okay, let's just kind of do a full cast when they're younger and just bring them all up at once instead of individual origin stories and. I don't know what changed, maybe how they were doing in the box office with Origins Wolverine had an impact on it because it did not do nearly as well as they were hoping. Mm-hmm. But it's just lack of foresight at the beginning. But can you really blame them? Because nobody has done what Marvel has done. You know, that's kind of the first that they've really succeeded oh, at yes, making such yes. a big kind of franchise out of it. They took a shot. They didn't do it too well they had different creators different directors all across all the different films so having that kind of unity was difficult to do i yes. did notice like some things they carried out just small things throughout the films when we're watching the rewatch like you know how uh there's odes to oh professor x saying oh well i love my hair hopefully i never go bald yes, like, yeah. they throw that in there's a scene like in each movie with Wolverine in it where he's just like, Oh, I hate flying, you know? So it's like him nervously sitting on a, in a, a plane yes, or something. Yes. And I, I think that's really apparent in the first film, which had so many like iconic styles, yeah. scenes. Um, I, one thing I noticed in a rewatch of the first film is that they had Jubilee in class. One of the more famous kind of teen, x-men and she never appears whatsoever in the rest of the movie but she's there with her like iconic yellow jacket and i saw her in class and i go what i I don't remember seeing her but she literally is just a scene in the classroom again that could have been an opportunity to have her own because she's very popular sometimes controversial character what what were jubilee's powers she had the, what did she have? She had those powers that are like fireworks. She would call them like energy kind of plasma. Oh, okay. like, oh yeah, yes. like the plasma. With her hands, like, yeah. Okay. yeah, yep. I um, mean, she could travel with them. Like she could, you know, kind of like turn them into shapes and explode. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, so we talked about where where it's been. Where do you see it going now that Disney has the rights of X-Men? New Mutants, I believe, was the last kind of 20th Century Fox like had already had that in kind of production along with Dark Phoenix, so that was already kind of set. They haven't. I haven't heard much. They of need them to doing pivot. Anything. I think they need to pivot. I haven't heard much either. Um, I initially thought they're going to do a big crossover Avengers X Men, but like everything mm-hmm. together, that could still happen. I mean, the budget on that type of film would just be astronomical, though. Right. So they would need to make sure they're like making a billion on it for mm-hmm. it to really pay off. But I really hope they do something kind of creative. Like it ended with uh we had Logan, which was kind of a darker take, which oh, I yeah. thought was really good. New Mutants was, was a weird kind of dark take on Anna things. Taylor joy. I mean, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. I love her and great. everything she does, but they have not really found a clear path from what I've seen or read on how they're going to kind of proceed into the future. I don't think they're going to kill the franchise at all. I think they're trying to figure out a way 
to do something with it where they can have a crossover with Marvel eventually. Yes. I think, I mean, one of the biggest messes they have to fix is the War of the Timelines, right? So essentially the Days of Future Past created two timelines, one where characters are alive in one parallel universe, one where they're dead in the other. You have some where they're heroes in one universe, they're villains in the other. I almost feel like they can't repair it. They almost start have over. to start over or erase some elements. They have to rewrite some things to give it the clarity that I really think the franchise needs because it splintered so much. And I think with the new Spider-Man movie that's coming out, you know, Spider-Man's in the Avenger movies, but he's not a main component. I feel like he's kind of peppered in them. And then Spider-Man kind of has his own thing, and I think they're going to incorporate Venom based off of the ending of Venom 2. So I think they're going to cross those together. Maybe X-Men is its own thing like that, where it, sometimes you see an X-Men in a Marvel movie, you know, Avengers, uh, but mostly they're kind of their separate film series. That's and they're also kind it. of in a tough spot with Wolverine being their, their most famous, like, beloved character. And, you know, spoiler alert, Logan, mm-hmm. he he dies at the end of Logan. Yeah. So are they going to bring in somebody besides Hugh Jackman? Because I'm sure no matter no. who it is, it's going to be a big uproar, right? It's so. Hugh Jackman for life and for death. But I think, one, I think a right script could get Hugh Jackman back into the the role. But I almost feel like, you know, thankfully Logan is set way, way, way in the future, you could get away with a couple films between that. I mean, look at Black Widow going back in time, you know, to kind of be these offset series. So, Well, even like the end of Logan, what if you pick it up from there with the kids that are still alive? I know, but that little girl's daughter is probably like a teenager now. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Well, it came, (laughs) when did uh, that come out? 2016, I think? It came out in 2017. So five years, kids grow, you know? Um, notoriously yeah notoriously they do (laughs) we said it here folks kids do grow up um so yeah that's kind of what i think will need to happen i i kind of wish i would hear some sort of discussion of it i feel like it's pretty quiet on the x-men front um and i you know i want well i mean there's also a lot of issues with uh what's his face brian Brian singer Singer, yeah yeah, definitely that also is going to change the game you know i think he did four of them and produced more Mm -hmm. um I don't know if most listeners know the Brian Singer timeline, but just extremely toxic environment. I know Elliot Page famously kind of came out and talked about all the stuff that he experienced on set. And then even, um, what's her name that plays Rogue? She came out and was like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Like, just horrible, horribleness. Yeah. Anna Um, Paquin. Anna Paquin, yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, that's going to also change it. But I think that's for the better, honestly, because they just got written and filmed to the ground in some elements. So I, I think it's due for an overhaul and for new blood in the game, you know? Yeah, completely agree with that. So I feel like I already know the answer to this question for you, but is there a character that didn't have the solo film that they deserved that you wish they would have? Oh, uh, most of the freaking characters. Okay. Um, Gambit. You want a obviously. Gambit film. You want the, sh- do you want Channing Tatum? Is he coming back as Gambit? Yeah. Remember when there were talks on that? What <laughs> yeah, happened with that? It was yeah. totally supposed to have it. I don't know. Fate, fate didn't align there, but. I think Gambit and Rogue are the most interesting yes. because they're the ones we kind of le- know the least about as far as movies. Yes. The movies came about. Storm, I'm not really interested in. Cyclops, you know, he's overrated. Get him out of here. And then who else, like, really even deserves kind of like a feature film besides Profe- 
Professor X and Magneto. But those were kind of covered in first class. and First class did take a lot of it. Like, mm-hmm. I would love a storm film, but Apocalypse really kind of wrecked, you know, young storm for me. Like, I need the vision. I need to, I need to see how it will be actualized. I, I, I would love to see Rogue again. Favorite character. Of course, you want to see their own film. Again, I know in the comics, she never got a backstory for, like, 20 years. Like, really? notoriously did not. <laughs> like, crazy. would reference some things, but they never went into you know, her story for like 20 years. So let's have that. And look, Gambit and Rogue, they could have a movie together. Endless yeah. possibilities. So Yeah, you could do both of them together. Um, Kitty Pride is interesting, but I don't think would deserve her own film. Maybe Beast. Maybe like a young Beast graduating college at I the loved, age of 15. I liked Beast, both yeah. young Beast and older Beast. So I'd be into that for Beast, sure. Beast would be interesting for sure. Yeah, especially since he was so close to... Professor Axe and so many of the characters throughout the Mystique st- and the everybody, yep. Yes, yep. Um, do you think they're going to... I mean, we kind of discussed bringing X-Men into Marvel Phase 4. I, I hope so, in some component, even if it's just a character or two before they kind of branch off into their own films. But hello, X-Men, they're around. You know they are. Let's have Figure it. Figure it out, guys. Let's go. Figure it out. Okay. Should we go into ranking discussion? I mean, we did all this work. We watched 10 films in a week. Yeah, let's uh, let's start uh, start ranking some films, and let's see. We'll have to kind of post our rankings up there, get people to vote on some polls to see uh, which ranking they prefer. I know X Men is kind of one of those uh, series where it's very polarizing, mm-hmm. where some people hate some films and some people love some films. So. We'll see if we're on the same page or not here, Kayla. Yes, we will. So I think what I'll do first is just say the movie list and the year it came out. Um, And this is also the order in which we watched them. Um, So the first film was X-Men, came out in 2000. Um, X-Men 2 came out in 2003. X-Men The Last Stand came out in 2006. X-Men Origins Wolverine came out in 2009. Pretty solid just every couple years getting one out. X-Men First Class came out in 2011. The Wolverine came out in 2013. X-Men Days of Future Past came out in 2014. X-Men Apocalypse came out in 2016. Logan came out that next year in 2017. And Dark Phoenix came out in 2019. And we've had now uh, two over two years here where we haven't seen a new film. So hopefully, maybe we can do a rewatch next year when a new film comes out. Yes, you know, I hope so. That nobody's ever heard of. There's no way there's a new one being filmed right now. No, no, I wouldn't say. We would hear it. I feel like, you know, those guys have movies set for the next 12 years, I think. Um, So let's start. We're going to start with number 10. Start us off, Kayla. So this means of the 10 films, we are saying this film is the worst it is the last. And I went I back and forth it. between two, but you go first here, Kayla. It's Apocalypse for me. I also have Apocalypse okay. listed as last. Yep. So, of course, Apocalypse had the Apocalypse evil villain um, and Sabaner rules ancient Egypt. It just was so terrible. I remember watching it in theaters. Um, we, we saw it together, and I feel like someone else was with us. Probably Craig. Probably Craig. Swirly. And walking out and just being like, disgusted like just feeling like this is how x-men that i've loved has turned into the and you have such again rich characters you have olivia munn in it and you just wrecked it you wrecked and i it. love sophie turner as yes. jean gray is a great casting but yeah they just did not 
do it justice. And as we kind of go through these films down 10 to 1, I'll throw some like just uh, stats out there, box office numbers, so we can kind of see how our views on the films compare to how they did like nationally and worldwide. So Apocalypse did 155 million domestic. The budget was 178 million. Ooh. It did do 543 million worldwide though. So it made about 355 okay. million in okay. total with a good chunk of that coming worldwide and maybe that's because it is you know it takes place in different locations around the globe, right? It's kind of focused in Cairo, Egypt. Um like you said just the whole it seems so out of place. The whole movie like okay, first mutant ever, okay, apocalypse, he just comes up from his uh, pyramid and starts screwing shit up again. Enhances everyone's powers, but, you know, thought, you know, when he was entombed that, you know, mutants would come and be ruling everything. That's not the way. And so he's upset. I mean, it had a young storm. Okay. Into it. Um, Olivia Munn into it. Can I just say the sad Eric storyline of him, you know, leaving everything behind, getting having a wife and daughter, and then they just get viciously killed. I mean, Magneto, man, even when he tries to do good, he just cannot. And I gotta say, it did have a scene I love. I did when it comes on, I watch it, and it is of course Peter when he is saving everyone from the school. Oh yeah, when he's running through the school. Yeah, yep. So Alex. you know, Scott Summers' brother is yeah, yeah, is trying to kill the bad guys, and there's a huge explosion. Peter's just super speeding, grabbing people, putting them in funny positions. I love any time he does that. So that is one of my one of my more um, favorite scenes. But that's it of the entire film. Yeah, Quicksilver is a great character. Yep. He it was a good casting with that one. I, he's one of the better ones in the new films, and I completely agree with you. Tenth out of ten worst film, Apocalypse. Yes, um, and actually, how terrible Apocalypse was helped me appreciate my number nine, which... My... Are we going to go back and forth? What are we doing here? We might. So go ahead. What's your number nine? Dark Phoenix. A hundred percent. That's my number nine, <laughs> yes. And when I went into Dark Phoenix after having seen Apocalypse, I kind of prepared myself for the worst, like this is going to be Apocalypse level. It was only better just because of how bad Apocalypse was. Um, and that's what made me, when I was going back and forth between them, I go, no, I, I like Dark Phoenix because it wasn't as bad as Apocalypse. Yeah, I was doing the same, going back and forth. I don't like, okay, alien storyline. It yes. was just out of there. Like, they were forcing it too much. That was the least successful movie, revenue-wise. Mm-hmm. It had a $200 million budget, $66 million it made domestic. Oof. And this was right before COVID, or was it... Yeah, 2019. So, yeah, so that yeah, was, actually came out. You got it, married in July, so we saw yep. it in June. Yep, and uh, it did 246 million worldwide, so it only made about 46 million total uh, in net revenue, so or profit. So by far the worst. I think it's the only one that's under 100 million net made. So just kind it, of an. Yeah. It was kind of an apocalypse. Listen, X-Men made a lot of mistakes, and we're going to cover them. But Killing Mystique in this film is the worst. I mean, listen, I'm going to ignore the Jennifer Lawrence situation of it all in that she didn't like being in the films. They were giving Mystique these rich storylines in her films because Hunger Games was hot off the press. Jennifer Lawrence was a big deal. Oscar, you know, contender. Of course, she won an Oscar about the time was building. And so she realized she didn't like the blue makeup. She didn't like, you know, some of the aspects of the film. She wanted out. And I know there's a rumor that she was in this film outside of her three film deal just because she knew she was going to die in it. 
Okay. I'm going to also ignore that they maybe need an emotional croc, someone that banded them all together. Okay, whatever. I'm going to ignore that. <laughs> you made me care about Mystique by giving her this tie to the good guys that she did not have whatsoever in the first three films. And then you just end her. You, you give the characters really no time to care. You, you show her relationship with Jean, and Jean spends not an iota thinking about mm-hmm. it at all. It, it just Very was sloppy. a horrible, horrible sending off of a character that you kind of cultivated this following for, I feel. Yeah, that's kind of tough for, uh, you know, the actual uh, production company, too, if you have Jennifer Lawrence saying, yes. hey, I want out. What the hell? It takes me X number of hours each morning to get this blue makeup on. I don't want to yeah. do this anymore, which that does have to suck. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they could have did it a little uh, a little gentler, a little better, something that tied the storyline in together instead of, oh, Jean's angry and she just accidentally pushes her Absorbed into a Absorbed the cosmic lift, energy you know? and can't control it and then just lives off in space. I, it just, this film, you know, it, it's, you know, it's a bridging of the younger actors who are playing the younger versions of the characters that started the franchise and... I love seeing them on screen. I like seeing their dynamics, but it just, I would have rather not had her in it, to be honest. Just have her end um, with Days of Future Pass. I completely agree with you. And then, again, this is the issue when you start thinking about the timeline, because she was on the bad guy side with Magneto, because she has kind of a weird relationship, kind of a back and forth thing with Magneto. Obviously, Beast loves her. She has a weird thing going on with Beast, too. But the first three films, she's all bad. And then first class, okay, she's a good guy that's working with Professor Axe. grew up with Professor Axe, which was totally not shown at all in the first three films. And then the next couple films, she's still kind of working with Professor Axe, leaves sometimes, but always comes back. And then she just dies here. And, like, actual timeline-wise, Dark Phoenix theoretically should take place before the first X-Men. Right. But Days of Future Past, very well, like it's we said. It's a different timeline, yes. Yeah, could have eliminated everything that happened after. Yes, so. which, of course, Stryker was able to get Mystique, I believe, in the end of Days of Future Past, like on the boat. Don't they She's, he, he gets uh, Wolverine yeah, at the end right, of uh, Days right. of Future Past. Yep. So I just, you know, yeah, it just is bad. You know, we just, we're coming right off the tales of finishing Dark Phoenix, and it's just like I remembered it. Like it was better than Apocalypse, but barely. And I left kind of feeling unsatisfied that that was the last one I watched. I mean, I did rewatch a good one just to kind of cleanse my palate. Fair enough, Kayla. Let's go to eight because I think we may start veering off each other. My eight is the Wolverine. That was my eight as well. Whoa. Um, okay. And- Logan in Japan. I mean, what the hell? They just had to make a samurai movie. Like, I will say, I liked the Wolverine, the concept, the story kind mm-hmm. of thing, a little more than the next movie on my list, but it just doesn't fit anywhere in the entire series. It's just thrown in, okay, he saved a guy during the uh, bombings in World War II in Japan. Okay, now he is going back there and working with samurai to say, and then they throw in a random love thing with uh the granddaughter mariko and you're just like this isn't needed this isn't needed there's no other x-men anywhere in sight nobody knows what's going on over there like come on he's like wrestling with his memories and gene gray and he has to let her go after after the third film it just 
all of it just was bad. I just, and, and Wolverine was never my favorite character. Like I enjoyed him in the films. I didn't dislike him, but I just, you know, like him having the solo films of all of them weren't my like favorite or my cup of tea. They aren't my, like, I don't rewatch them a ton. Um, but this one, I just was jarring. I'm just like, what is... They just wanted to do a film in Japan. I'm convinced. And I like, like, the Japan culture and everything. Yeah. It, it makes for kind of a cool dynamic, cool shot, some interesting kind of fight scenes because you don't have all the guns and all this stuff, but it's actual samurai swords. makes it more interesting visually, but it just doesn't make sense with the overall story. No. And they just kind of patched it together. I was very disappointed with the Wolverine. Agreed. And... Uh, it, it had a budget of 120 million, 133 dom- it made domestic, and 417 worldwide. Again, they're kind of tapping into that uh, okay Japanese culture, yes. which probably drove up that uh, that worldwide number. It netted close to 300 million dollars. So, even though we're saying these movies aren't good, Apocalypse made 355 million. The Wolverine made almost 300 million. Like they still made a ton of if money. If you build it, they will come, right? And aren't we those people? Aren't we? We are taking yeah. these films, but we're also always trying to see them in theater together. Like we're yeah. in for the ride, whatever you're giving us, even if it's mere scraps. So yeah, the Wolverine is number eight. Gotta say so. I think we're still going to be right on path, Kayla. I don't know on okay. this one. But then again, I didn't know on eight we were the same. So go ahead. What's your number seven? My number seven is X-Men The Last Stand, X3. Yes. <laughs> yep. That is also my number. Why are we the same person? Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. So That th- is my number seven. This one, you're probably going to be annoyed with some of these numbers. Okay. It was the largest budget of <gasps> any of the movies. Oh, it did show. <laughs> $210 million. It only made 235 domestic, 460 worldwide, so it netted about 250 Lower than the Wolverine and Apocalypse, but still a decent number. They like made made their budget times two is basically what it came out to be. And I'm just so disappointed that that had the biggest budget and did the best domestically because, again, they were like, we have a third film. We need to come up with a storyline. Oh, that's right. Jean Grey can't control powers. Let's go with that again. Yes. Um, they managed to make one Jean Grey unlikable throughout this film. Um, they managed to make Rogue, I feel like, in parts, unlikable. Um, Even though she is arguably one of the worst powers to live with, not being able to touch, um, they just make her feel absolutely garbage for trying to get rid of that power, even though you learn at the end of the film it's only temporary, you assume, when Magneto is able to get his powers. Um, And you killed Scott and Professor X, well, all right, so let's get to this whole freaking thing. So was it X2 is where it ended, where they thought Jean was dead, right? Yes. Yeah, so X2, Jean sacrifices herself for the greater good, and then, like, a year later, um, Scott, you know, Cyclops goes and finds her at the location. She just pops out of the water because she basically had this cocoon of energy protecting her. Whatever. She disintegrates him, murders him. Yep. And he's just gone. And then they just take her back with open arms. And then she's like, no, nah, I can't control it. I'm losing my mind again. It was just yeah, sloppy. It, it's, it's like they didn't think between two and three how they were going to do it. They were like, oh, we need to get Jean Grey back. Let's 
how the fuck do we do yeah, that? Yeah, again, they, I don't know. they give you these characters and then they just treat them like trash. I mean, Jean Grey, whether you were a fan of her and Logan getting together, you wanted her and Scott to stay together, um, you know, coming into her powers. I know the Phoenix and, and Jean Grey is a very big character in the comics yep. throughout many storylines. But... You kill. I'm sorry. There's no turning back from killing Professor X. Like to me, and and this was the first kind of glimpse of him not being maybe really doing the right thing. In the first two films, you're you're on board for what he's doing. He's always on the greater good. He's always wants to protect mutants and humans. And in this one, you're like, oh, when she was a kid, he built these. He kind of tried to control her powers because she was so powerful. And it does seem like a kind of odd thing for Charles who's always trying to like, mm-hmm. you know, grow people and, and teach them control and stuff. And she just, he just kind of deemed her uncontrollable. And the result of it is that she killed him. It's weird that like, that was the basic premise, right? She has all this power. Charles put these walls up in her head and then bam, they went down and now she can't control it. And she's pissed. It's the same thing as dark Phoenix. Yeah. It's like well, the same plot line. Yes. Main plot line. Yes. Anyway. It's and, ridiculous. And, and, and the story is that she has this separate personality, the Phoenix, who who basically is just like her id talking. Like yeah. her just, when she's in something, she's excited. And when she's upset, she has just uncontrollable rage with her powers. She just, she has no kind of control whatsoever. It's just her like. Yeah, she's not, she's got no governor, right? It's correct. just like max at all times. Yes. Yeah. And arguably, this is where a lot of people tricked out of the series was X3. I mean, this is one of the more notorious endings of a trilogy at the time. And people just thought it was terrible. And I concur. Now, I do watch it more than others because it's, you know, part of the original three. You can't. Yeah. It's hard to stop it, too, and just be like, I'm not going to watch three. I got to finish it. Well, but, and how three ends with Logan being yes. the only one that can kill her kind of sets up his trauma and stuff that shows up yes. in the later films. Yes. Like, Oh no, I'm having all these I gotta dreams. go to Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just run off to Japan just for one day to say goodbye to some dude that I met in 1942. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go fix that life debt real quick. All right. So that's number seven. Number six. What's your number six, Kayla? Are we still on the same page? X-Men origins. Wolverine. Me too. <laughs> Well, this is the worst. We're the same. I swear, and obviously you could tell from us looking at each other incredulously, we did not tell each other what we ranked, so this is very amusing. So uh, just Origins Wolverine, uh, $150 million budget, did $180 million domestic and $375 million worldwide, netted about $225, which is kind of right in the middle of all of the the films. So it was like, eh. But it, it was kind of a polarizing one because a lot of people hated this film. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. I was reading an article yesterday where they were arguing that this was the worst in the series, which I think is absurd. Whoa. Yeah, I, that's what I said. But I really enjoyed it. I liked the concept. We're going back in time. We're following Logan while he's learning about his powers through all these wars. They had Liev Schreiber playing uh, basically Victor. Sabretooth, Victor, yep. you know, his, his brother and... I thought it was pretty cool until kind of the end with the Deadpool having all the powers, doing all that weird stuff. It got off track a little bit, but I thought the overall movie was a a new cool twist on what they were doing before. So I I enjoyed it. You know, I liked this one. It's always better than I remember Mm -hmm. every time I watch it. Like I kind of go into it going, eh. 
But when I watch it, I go, okay, this is better. I, I'm with you. I liked the backstory on James, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Logan, a.k.a. Wolverine. Um, I liked uh, the Victor and them kind of going through wars together and then just separating based on personality and control issues. And, hey, listen, there are never characters named Kayla in a film. So <laughs> I appreciate hearing my name throughout a film. And so, well, you were the bad person that turned uh, Logan yeah, all well, around. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, listen, you know, Kayla's, you know. I also don't hate, you know, Stryker has made, um, of course, put the Animonium in Logan. Adamantium, yeah. Adamantium, thank you. Um, well, what was it, Kayla? No, don't make me say it again, <laughs> please. Please. Um, and so I like Stryker appearing, young Stryker, old Stryker. Obviously, huge significance in Logan's life and how he is, how he is. It so. is ridiculous. There's so many different strikers throughout all <laughs> yeah. the movies. And there's so many times where somebody could have just killed Stryker. Yep. Like, Logan's just standing there. He's knocked out. You can just cut his head off. It's done. But instead, you want to be tortured again in an alternative timeline later on. Which is absolutely what happens. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it it was the solo film that so many characters didn't get. It was to show how did Logan get to where he is with no memories an understanding of who he is. And, and it did past. a pretty good job from the original mm-hmm. trilogy. I can't remember if it was X1 or 2, where Xavier basically says, go to this place. X1 to- at the end X1. of that, because X2 he comes back. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So it's like, go to Alkali Lake, you'll find the answers you're looking for there. And that ties into Origins Wolverine down the line. So there was some coordination. You can see it watching it where they're like, we need to make some notes and odes back to the original. But we didn't think this fully through you know but at least they tried yeah you know it did create of course deadpool ryan reynolds continued to play the character um obviously different way expanded it from that kind of glimpse but um yeah so it was it was an origins film that we did need but you know what not number wasn't our number one you know (laughs) <laughs> All right, so let's move on to number five. My number five, let's see if we're still sticking the same way here, is X-Men Days of Future Past. We are the... Oh, man. <laughs> wow, so we just have the same list. <laughs> yes. Again, we've seen these films so many times. A lot I'm together. surprised and not surprised that we've felt the same about them. So this one, uh, this one came out in 2014, $205 million budget, the second highest budget. Of course, this was a big cast. They had the old X-Men, yes. the new X-Men. So it's going to have kind of that bigger budget. It did $234 million domestic, which is just under X3, which is the most that's ever done domestic, but it is the most ever worldwide with $748 million. So about $545 million net gain there. So it did really well. It did the best net-wise of any of the films, which I was surprised when I looked that up. Me too, but I think uh, a lot of the actors that were advertised being in it drew a lot of new people to X-Men. Jennifer Lawrence, like we said, was becoming in the height of her powers. Um, Still had Hugh Jackman, but you had the younger ones coming up too. Michael Fassbender. Yeah, he was big at the time for sure. And I think it was, this is the one that, kind of throws broke off everything the, it broke we, everything it's number five on our list but it's also the one that broke everything it screwed up all the timelines in the movie it seems like they did a pretty decent job like at least when logan went back in time he had he had the uh the wooden claws he didn't have the bone, adamantium one, bone, or the bone yeah. ones i mean yeah 
and they did some things that were pretty good with the timeline, but then once you start going into time travel in movies, no matter what, something's screwed up. No matter what. Yes, you you know more than anyone how much this movie haunted me. And yep. again, I am also not a fan of time travel movies, mostly because the movie itself makes up the rules and then they never follow them. Yep. And then I'm constantly questioning, well, if this happened, how would this happen? And how and probably I would say a good two months after the film I was texting you every Wait, every few on. days going being upset about another thing to eventually to say we have to let this go because we can't Make it make sense, a hundred percent. Because this one takes place after, so the Wolverine yes. ends with Wolverine in an airport, and then it's uh, Professor X and Magneto there, basically saying, "We need your help." And yeah, that there's leads, a weapon. Yep. Yeah, to Days of Future Past, where they need to send them back in time to basically butterfly effect, right? Change something so that people don't try to kill them and all of their kind. Yes, yeah, they have to stop the plot line of Raven killing this one guy. Through his death, Trask, um, Peter Dinklage, by killing him, he, you know, people take up his work and create these robots that end up killing and chasing all the mutants in this horrible, horrible, grim future. Um, Yeah, why is that fun for the non-mutants that everything is just ash I know, it's like horrible. It's like a horrible world where they're like enslaved and killed. So it just, you know, so it's like the mix of... Bad Raven in the first few films, right, where she's just the villain, and then the ties that she has yep. to um, the, you know, Charles and the X-Men and doing good. She She's this polarized, torn between two worlds where she's listening to Eric and his mutants are, yep. you know, important. We're, you know, they're going to find us. They're going to get us, the humans. And then her, like, trying to see the good in people. And so... Yeah, just I would just time travel. I just don't like time travel. And then, of course, in the end, you see that the characters that died in the original trilogy are alive again. Well, because, right? Because if you go back in time and you change stuff, then theoretically, then those characters aren't going to die in X1, X2, or X3. So the work that you did to show Wolverine just paralyzed by Jean Grey's death, he it's flashed to the future and the school's back everyone's well and gene gray's alive scott's alive and he just is like flabbergasted and he is the only one that can remember what right. happened because he is the one that traveled back in time obviously professor x yes knows too because it was kind of a, i thought it was a pretty cool scene where they had james mcavoy's character mm-hmm. basically Time travel through logan's mind into yes. the future to talk to his older self which is kind of freaking weird to look at, but I thought it was a pretty cool scene. And I do enjoy that they brought back the original actors yes. to play the older uh, X-Men. Yes. So and I, that, you know, um, kind of connection between the two was interesting. And the thing that I do like is I love the Charles Magneto, like the Eric and Charles friendship. Like that's it, one of my favorite things about all. the Yeah. Movies. It's like this, it's like the cartoon where the, um, you know, road runner and the coyote like punch out and then they're friends and talk about their day. Like, but meanwhile, the whole day they're trying to kill each other. Like they always end with a game of chess. Like these two, you know, Charles is never going to stop looking for hope in Eric and trying to change yep. him and see the good and change his ways. And Eric appreciates Charles mind and his caring of others, but he will never agree that, you know, having gone through the Holocaust, literally, yeah. that mutants are ever in danger of that happening to them from humans. And so they just 
will never agree on so many things, but they have this friendship that really, really expands so much time and so much horrible things that they go through being against each other, but they're still together. And I, I know it's, you know, it's one of those, I love those dynamics in movies that try to do this or TV shows where it's two people that are pitted against each other, but they love and respect each other where it's like, I am not going to try to kill you. I am trying to get my way. Yes. Please let me have it. If not, I'm going to have to work around you. But neither of them wants real bad for the other to happen. Like when something bad happens to Xavier, even when they're fighting each other, Magneto's like, whoa, no, I don't, I don't want that. No, like he, yes. leave him. He's fine. And same the other way. No, we can't kill Magneto. He's okay. He's got good in him. So yes. there's that level of respect. And as kind of the elders of the group, they know that they can get people to rally around their cause and they know what the other one is going to be doing. Like yes. they know each other's minds so yes. well that... It's it's a chess match. It's right. literally yes. always a chess match, Good point. which is yes. why it always ends in a literal yes. chess match. Yeah. Yes. And I think uh, we can go right into our number four, which potentially stems it all. Um, I'm going to go with number four, X-Men First Class. Okay, we are oh, off. Okay, we are off. okay. I had First so you Class. Have this a little higher up. I have First Class as my number two. Oh, okay, okay. So it's our first kind of disagreement here. All right. Um, So let me hold off on first class. um, Okay. So we get closer on the timeline. (laughs) But yeah, that was my number four, X-Men first class. My number four was X-Men, the original. Wow. 2000. um, At a $75 million budget, it did 157 domestic, 297 worldwide, made a little over $220 million. A low budget did well, and this kind of catapulted yes. the whole franchise. It is good. I like the movie, but in comparison to some of the other ones, it's just not quite up there for me. Introduced all the characters, mm-hmm. but we don't have enough depth on the characters for me to get as involved as I would be on the later films. So X-Men, the original, is my number one. Oh, my gosh, Kayla. This is where we differ. Huh? This is. You know, when you get to the top tier, it really is, like, it's specific tough. taste preference. Um, my but, top four were all kind of, like... Uh, I mean, we're like, all playing with yes. the same movies, right? Exactly. Um, so, X-Men is my number one because it, again, started it. But it's the film that I could rewatch the most. Yeah. And if it was the only X-Men film that ever went anywhere, I would be satisfied with it. I love the introduction of the bond of Logan and Rogue, which make it kind of creepy later on in the seasons. They just always make Logan trying to hook up with whoever another. Yeah, he's constantly in these triangles, whether he wants to be or not. Um, And so I I liked that. I liked the introduction of the characters and how they were introduced. I like the callbacks to the comics because they weren't sure they were going to have a whole series of films. So they threw in a lot of things thinking maybe this was going to be it. And Wolverine had his hair, like the comics yes, a little like, bit. Yes, like I could rewatch. That's what I look forward to every time we do a rewatch because it's just, to me, it stands alone. If it was the only movie, like I said, I would be satisfied with it. And yeah, it just, it kind of is the pinnacle story of X-Men. And when you watch it and think and kind of get rid of all the other films, you think there's endless possibilities. This could go anywhere from this film. And it went the way it went, but that's why it's my number one versus the other ones that I don't know I could keep rewatching. Yeah, that's a good point. It is one of the more rewatchable ones just because it introduced everybody. Uh, And I, you know, I cannot fault you for having it number one. The top four for me were, I was going back and forth between quite a few of them. So 
They're okay. all they're all really good. Uh, I think after uh, five or six, after six, they're all trash. But the first six are pretty good, and the top <laughs> yeah. four are uh, pretty interchangeable. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, okay, so let's talk number about three? number three. Yeah, what's your number three? My Kayla? number three is X Men Two. That was my number three as okay, well. Okay, so you're the perfect. same number three. Yeah, X Men Two continued on, right? And it was. It was good. It, again, kept my girl Rogue in it. She wasn't completely unlikable. Like, I feel like she started to become yeah. in the third. Um, I liked her kind of showing the difficulty she has with um, Iceman, who has a more prevalent character. I like the introduction of, what's his name, with the fire? Pyro. Yes, yeah. Pyro. Um, I like Magneto and Mystique being these, like, we have to work together, but we're still evil, like, rubbing mustaches thing. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's X Men United, right? So it's yes. like we're on opposite sides, but again, Eric and uh, Charles are like, okay, we're friends. We need to get together for like the greater good here, you know? Yes, and so that's why it's my number three. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, my number three as well. It did a hundred and ten million dollar budget. Uh, did two hundred and fifteen million domestic and four hundred six worldwide. So it made almost three hundred million. So a little, a little better than kind of the middle ground here for the X-Men movies. But you can kind of see the big difference from X1. They jumped the budget up, you know, a good 50%. And then they made about 50% more in revenue. So they knew what they were going with. And yes. then once they saw that trend, they right. just kept going. Yes. And I think the one of the more famous scenes and more interesting ones to watch has to be the opening scene with Nightcrawler being introduced. I mean, the classical music, when it's playing, you have Nightcrawler teleporting. We weren't yet introduced to him. He's trying to get to the president. You have Secret Service trying to shoot him, and, you know, they're getting hit left and right. It is, I think, a beautiful scene. It's great to rewatch. Um, you know, Nightcrawler throughout was interesting. Alan Cumming, um, I mean, I love him in so many things. He, he did a great job, and I think that set the stage for the rest of the film. Um, you know, I liked, I liked the Mystique and Magneto dynamic, um, you know, that's further put. Mm -hmm. I'll go in this. I, there's one thing I want to say when we get to first class. Um, but, but the last thing I'll say about this is that I liked, you know, further information on Stryker at this point, um, in this second one. Cause again, we're, we're, we're learning about Logan's past through through the early movies. Yeah. Um, and it's peppered in many of them, not just the solo films. And so and I do love the scene where he's fighting kind of the female version of him, Eureka. And oh, she yeah. like I mean, just the metal just pouring out of her eyes. Just great scene. And the thunk when she hits the bottom of oh, the Oh yeah, pool. where he, I mean, he just injects her like fully Yeah, with the I look for it every time. I mean it's just it's so good. Yeah, it was a great movie, number three on both of our lists. Yep. Uh, my number two film is year number four, X-Men First Class. Yes. So this did, uh, it had a $160 million budget. It did 146 domestic and 355 worldwide. So $195 million uh, net. One of the worst performing films of all of them, Oof. which I was very surprised in. It's the second worst behind Dark Phoenix, I believe. And maybe it's just because they were kind of rebooting the franchise. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fresh take on things. We got to introduce the younger characters. It's Yes, the origin stories of other ones besides Wolverine. You have Professor yeah, exactly. X. How did he get into a wheelchair? I didn't know. It was through the film that I learned. 
Yeah, and that was a great kind of piece, and it also shows kind of Magneto's origins as well. The only thing that kind of turns me off on this is, like, really, we needed to tie this to the Cuban Missile Crisis? Yes. Really? Yeah. Is that what we had to do here? We had to tie X-Men to the Cuban Missile Crisis? We couldn't just have this a more natural one? But I guess to give the backstory for Magneto and the Holocaust and having to go after this guy who... Um, Shaw, right, played by Kevin Bacon, because of course, yes. that he can absorb this energy and basically get people to do whatever the hell he wants and is trying to start a world war so mutants can reign supreme. Mm-hmm. And Magneto's like, we can't do this. You're terrible. How could you do this? And then he kind of turns into Shaw, like not as gruesome and like trying to turn the entire world against each other, but he takes on Shaw's cause of, okay, mutants, they're going to be coming for us. We need to strike first. We need to do this. We need to save right. our race. Yes. So he hates what he eventually becomes. Yes. And let's talk about the Magneto situation because this is my bone to pick of all of how they have decided to treat the characters. Magneto, Eric, is a complicated figure, right? I mean, they really show the human aspect of them is that sometimes people are good and bad. There are good parts, there are bad parts. They do a lot to show the humanity in him that you don't really see in the first three films other than when he works with Charles. Yeah. You get to see like where more of where he came from, um, his bone to pick, um, the relationship he has with Mystique, which in the first original trilogies they're so close like she yeah. follows, she's basically his number one um and the one doing a lot of the dirty work and you wonder how that dynamic kind of came about this film introduced how um you know she was a charles that what a twist that was to learn that yeah that they grew up together and, and that like, you uh sorry to interject there for a second kayla but yeah like the magneto and mystique being so close it it makes no sense, or another reason why I hated X3 The Last Stand, because she gets shot with the thing to lose her powers, and he just walks away and says, you're not one of us. Bye. Yeah. And like, what, that wouldn't, that's not Eric. And, and my thing is, I wonder what happened when he also lost his powers in that film, and then did she come back and punch him in the face? I should've. mean, should have, because she told all of the secrets in that film because of what he did and how yep. he did it. And that right there is actually my bone to pick. It's that... When they choose to humanize humanize um, him, they do it well, and then they destroy it in the next few scenes. You you have this, you know, him and Mystique. He clearly cares about her. Like he rescues yeah. her. Like and then she loses her powers. He's just like, "You're not one of us." Bye. Leaves her. Um, he takes her off. Char- she leaves Charles to be with him, and he helps train her and kind of cultivate. Yeah. You know, and then she leaves him, and he tries to kill her when he realizes that she has this influence on the future when they're going back in time. He tries to kill her with a bullet and really aggressively tries to kill her. And Charles has to stop him. I mean, it's that dynamic that, you know, he has his family and they get killed. He goes back to her. It's that jarring dynamic, which I love learning about the complexity of his character, but it it makes me like... never truly be with him in those human moments where he's shedding a tear when he finds out that she dies in Phoenix. Like, okay, but you totally left her. You weren't following her whatsoever. You weren't in contact with her. In all these storylines, you're kind of terrible to a person that they're trying to show 
they have this complex, close relationship. I mean, he's the one that convinced her to wear her blue skin because she was always hiding herself. I mean, he was important to her. You made him important to her. She could have just been the lackey in these films, which she was in three films. And so... I'm never really 100% there for Eric in those moments where he's showing like he he doesn't want to be that guy. He stops himself because he's he's kind of a terrible person. And I guess maybe that's the point, but what's the point? Yeah, I, I see exactly what you're saying. They humanize him to a point and then they immediately tear it back down. Like I liked First Class because mm-hmm. it does give you the insight of Charles knew him when they were younger and they had that relationship. So in the original trilogy where it's, oh, hey, old friend, you're like, oh, I get it. Because they actually work together for a greater good. And then they were like, we're on opposite sides. You go that way. I go this way. Hopefully one of us can figure this out for the the mutants. Yeah. Yeah. How Charles, you know, saving Eric, you know, put him in the wheelchair and and him, how we found Eric and. Great. It's a great film. And I love seeing, you know, the origin stories of these other characters, like I said, but it just, it did stem a big change into the film dynamics, which maybe was needed after the third one, you know, and how people feel about it. But was this the way? I don't know. Could they have done better? I think so. And that's- Yeah, I think they could have did better. I do like the, um, how they showed Charles, like you said, losing his ability to walk. And it came from a bullet that Magneto deflected. So he's Mm -hmm. got that little bit of guilt. Like he put Charles in the wheelchair with what he did. So he never wants to really hurt him or like kill him. But he does carry around that guilt and still wants to win his way. But that's kind of why they have that dynamic, which I always found interesting. I agree. Shall we get to my number two and your number one? Yes, we shall. And it was Logan. It was Logan, which is... 2017 came out, mm-hmm. $97 million budget. So the second lowest budget besides the first X Men, 226 domestic, 614 million worldwide, landing at $520 million world net profit, which is the second highest ever be- behind Days of Future Past. Wow. Which I was surprised by because kind of those later films started to drop off after Days of Future Past, and Logan comes right back wipes it yeah everybody loves wolverine logan i feel like is its own isolated film because one the rating our rating the general bleakness sadness that is the film there are very little light moments and whatever few they are they're tarnished pretty quickly now important to note that this movie is a culmination of two major storylines um, old man Logan in the comics and X 23. And in this reality, um, in the comics, it was called like earth eight zero seven one two eight, where super villains have won, right? They're like the leaders. And then the children of familiar Marvel heroes are like run wild in this desolate way. So like, that's where the comics goes. Logan doesn't go by Wolverine. Um, he calls himself Logan, hence the title. Yeah. And he finds himself fighting off, these members of the Hulk gang, and that's in the comic, which is pretty funny, like Hillbilly Hulks. Um, and then meanwhile, as you're reading these comics, Logan references this memory that he doesn't ever want to go back to, which essentially is that he was controlled by this supervillain Mysterio, and he kills all of his X-Men mutant friends, and you find out that later. Oh. Um, now, in this film, it's implied heavily that it was Charles that did that through these seizures yeah. where he has basically cripples people um, freezes them in time, one of his powers that he normally can control. And so in this, he references Westchester, like what he did in Winchester, and it's implied that that's what he did. He killed. That's why you don't see any other X-Men, because he killed them. 
Well, yeah, and he, they do note in the movie, he's got the most powerful brain on the planet, and he's going through, like, a dementia-type thing and can't control it. So he is, his brain is considered a weapon of mass destruction, I think is how they put it. Yeah, and and they did say, like, these people were wrangling up mutants and Mm -hmm. that um, What's-His-Face was kind of the tracker to help find the mutants to, to either imprison them or kill them or whatever. So I don't think it's, you know, uh, Professor X did it. To everybody, but obviously he did yeah, it. Yeah, I would like say the like main the main crew. ones that yeah. he that they were around as students, like you know, probably that was how it happened. Yeah, completely um, agree. You know, whatever timeline version, I don't know even what <laughs> mutants were near him at the time. But and of course you have Logan, who um, the own the own metal in his body is poisoning him, and so now he's losing his ability to heal. He's aging, which he never happened before, um, and so he's dying essentially slowly. Yeah, he's just kind of old, alcoholic, you know, doesn't want to put up with shit anymore. Like Limo driver. Yeah. yeah, limo driver. And then this, uh, they think all the mutants are kind of gone. And Professor Xavier is like, no, I'm, I'm communicating with one. There is a mutant mm-hmm. around. And they're like, yeah, whatever, Charles. Like, you need to stop. You need to take your take medicine. Take your medicine, yeah. And then the little girl shows up, Laura, who you know, they say is Wolverine's daughter. It's just his genes were used to make her yes. in a lab, basically. But she's got the claws, she's got the healing, and she is a freaking badass, this whole oh movie. Oh, my God. Wolverine, I mean, one of the... What a proud of, pop. One of my favorite <laughs> lines in the first film is when Rogue asks him in the car, like, does it hurt? And he says, every time. Every time his claws come out and you're watching him brutally kill people, I, in my head I go, it pains him to do that. Like, yeah. it's not easy when he does it every time. And so she has freaking claws out of her feet. Oh, my God. Insane. When that happened, I go, I forgot that she did that. Yeah. I mean, she has Mystique's agility and just overall fighting technique, I feel. She has, you know, Wolverine's obviously like, and I think they had to put the metal in her, correct? You notice how I keep saying the metal now because I'm Adamantium, afraid to say it. You don't Thank want you. to say it again. Yeah, yeah. just know when I say metal, feel free to say the actual word. Um, in her and just, you know, these kids are basically, they, they try to grow kids in a lab, right? And take yep. the genes of mutants that they weapons, had. Yeah. Turn them into weapons. Obviously, they're... They're, they have their own brains, and so they're not turning it into these mindless killing machines. And so they realize, let's build actual killing machines. We don't need them. And so these human nurses who are taking care of them try to rescue a couple, as many as they can. Um, and Logan, of course, meets Laura. So interesting dynamic. And, of course, we know throughout the film it's a send-off of Wolverine. This will be, in theory, the last one he's in. Yeah, and it was kind of uh, the way he died. He was fighting kind of like a robot of his self his younger self kind of that could heal easily and has the claws and kind of doesn't take shit from anybody and just was going after him. And he gets what a big branch right through his chest. And, and you see Laura kind of, she hasn't really showed emotion the whole time. She just gets angry and murders people if they come, but she like starts kind of shedding a tear, like, and calls him dad or daddy or something. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, Oh, okay. This is a little rough, but I do love that. They they decided to kind of take it a different direction. They made it a dark, rated yes. R film. They they you know were dropping a couple f bombs. They made it gritty. It's kind they of like a decapitated film. so many yeah. people. I mean, it was bloody, it was very gory, bloody film, gritty, depressing. I mean, I don't know that this is a film I could rewatch over and over. Um, but it showed me the light. It showed me that 
there is a world where X-Men is good. And it was a great <laughs> film beginning to end. I definitely cried in theater when Logan dies really? 100% the first time. And then they had the Dark Phoenix two years later. And I go, why are you the way that you are, <laughs> 20th Century Fox? Why? You you are capable yeah, I, I don't, I can't explain it, where they went Logan, which was masterful, and then they came back with its worst movie ever, or like one Close of the to. two worst, yeah. Yes, I mean, what Logan did, Marvel Avengers are not doing. They are not doing that type of film, and I don't think they will, because they're trying to appeal to the most masses. Yeah, just broad Making it commercial. Appeal, yeah. You could have several Logan types. Now, please, you cannot make every X-Men movie that bleak no. and depressing. But that hope, yeah. style, that pushing it to the edge. I mean, these are mutants with powers that are often horrible for other people to be around, you know, destroy their daily lives. Like, a lot of these powers are not livable powers. And to talk about that pain of that is what makes X-Men so rich and interesting. And Make more Logans, please. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. It is just baffling to me that the budget on Logan was less than half of Dark Phoenix, and it did 12 times better globally in the box office than Dark Phoenix did. Like, what were you doing? Like, use those resources well. Like, maybe, I don't know, use them on writers, perhaps? Yes. <laughs> maybe not just throw a whole bunch of people into a field yeah. and say, fight, you know? Push, you know, give these characters the stories and grit that they deserve that you gave Logan, that you sent him off in, that you said, this is how we want to end him. And I, I another reason why for me, it wasn't a number one, what it was number two, which is so close. Yeah. I did go back and forth is because I want my number. I want Wolverine to be also with a memory that I have, which is healthy Wolverine, mm. youngish looking Wolverine. This one is, was, a, it was a sad way to see Wolverine be because he's just in such pain. I mean, and and he wrestles with his immortality throughout the yeah. series. At one point, he tries to get taken away from him in Japan. And so he he does want to die in the films because he's lived so long. Like, he, when he says that line, I feel like it'd be taken a few ways, but he says, like, this is what it feels like to die. Like, he just honestly is never... You know, immortality has a price. And so he's like, I never really felt this feeling. Now, he's also saying goodbye to Laura. And so I also feel like it's that, that he connection finds, he hasn't yeah. had, really. And as you said while we were watching the movie, it was kind of, you know, him and Laura and even Professor X, there was kind of an unspoken communication and bond with Laura yes. and them where she's like, I know what to do here. Like, even though we have never really met before... I can read your signals. I know when to attack. I know what to do. I know how to like protect us in this situation. And to have Professor X be murdered and then Logan be murdered, this or the yes. same film. And and you could see even like the pain in Logan's eyes when he is going to uh to Charles, who is stabbed by the fake Logan. Yes. And he's just like uh, it wasn't me. Like right. it wasn't me. He just like wants him to know this like yes. I swear I did not do this. And like you said, he wants he wants to be mortal, right? He wants to die, but he can't do it himself, right? He can't yes. just kill off himself. He needs to try to do it in a righteous way, which in this movie is, I know I'm going to die if I take all this quote-unquote medicine, but I need to do what I can to help these young mutants who can't really protect themselves yes. fully right now. I'm going to sacrifice myself 
before yes, that. which is what made it such a beautiful mm-hmm. send-off, even though it was so grim. I mean, there was no world in which he would have killed himself with Charles being in the situation that no. he was. And so he was just living to get them to move to another place that hopefully would be safer. That was, he was living day by day. And in the end moment, he was able to get back to saving, having a purpose, saving Laura and the other kids. And, you know, Charles dying, like he was able to, he was able to die physically. And I think emotionally, mentally knowing that she was going to be okay or hoped she was going to be okay. And so, yeah. Powerful movie. Absolutely great Nick, movie. can you hear the love of the <laughs> X-Men franchise in our voices? We've been with... They're like old friends that we see every now and then that we go back and watch and... That is... Yeah, you, you are know? so right. And that's something that uh, you'll hear like uh, Bill Simmons on some of his podcasts will be like, oh, I started rewatching the series and it's just like, oh, I haven't hang- hung out with my friends in a while. Yeah. And it's so true when you've kind of grown up. I mean, it's been 21 years of X-Men movies. We are... I'm in my early 30s, yes. like... You know, this is more than two-thirds of my life that I've been watching X-Men movies. And then if you count the comics and the TV shows, like, it's majority of my life that I've had some type of connection with these characters and these storylines. And it's one of those things that no matter how many movies come out, how old I am... I'm probably going to sit down and watch yes. the X-Men if it comes yes. out. Yes, and maybe we'll live through the X-Men films. I really don't think we're going to live through the Avengers films. No. They're going to make them until the <laughs> dot of time, until the world blows up. Um, all right, do you think we, we said our piece? Are we X-Men out for uh, now? You know, I, we could talk about X-Men for hours, but we're already at an hour and 15 minutes on the yeah, pod. Yeah, we, so. we, we need to wrap this up here. Um, now, typically, since this was our movie review episode we would draw i think it's my turn to draw a film but instead we're gonna keep it seasonal we got christmas coming up we got the holidays coming up and so we're gonna give each other a holiday movie for december you know tis the season um and so can we'll you put give that me something pause. good kayla don't give me like a 1952 black and white musical please i'm not i <laughs> rude. <laughs> first of all, rude. I, I i'm so enraged right now i, I literally can't, I lost my language um first of all how dare you and second of all, how dare you? I oh, will give you what, what you get. And I don't know how many Christmas movies you've seen, but I'm going to still try to give you one that you haven't seen I have seen not before. seen a ton. I'm not a big Christmas movie person. I so. like the staples for me. So outside of that, not too much. So I don't know. Have you seen Love Actually? Yes. Damn I it. think. That's one of my favorites. I think. I'll have to look. Okay. Is that, that's different than P.S. I Love You, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes, it is. I think wow. I... I don't know. That is not a Christmas movie. P.S. I Love You. Okay. I don't know. I, I'd have to look. Uh, send me Okay. The, yeah. The, we'll, we'll work on it, guys. So that's what we'll be doing for December. Um, let's get to our Swarly of the Week. And I'd like to go first. I guess you may go first, then. Thank you. I insist. It's Scott Cyclops for my Swarly <laughs> of the Week. It is through... I had one originally, but... Through these films, I realize, man, young Scott, older Scott, Scott had no clue. Scott had no purpose. Scott, the original X-Men, they never really made 100% likable. I, I would like to know the pool of people that wanted Gene to be with Scott from day one. And it's supposed to be yeah. this teen to adult relationship. And you're still rooting for Wolverine, who's kind of a jackass in the first few films, <laughs> to be with her, which makes no sense, really. But you want it because Scott is just a throwawayable. He has this power that sometimes comes in handy, but often he's in danger of hurting someone else. And how they did the films, and even younger Scott is a bit of a tool. Uh, you know, completely agree. Uh, kind of a side tangent. We're in the X Men. We yes. may as well go. Which is the worst power of the main X Men to have? I like. 
Ro- I think Rogue's the obvious one because she can't Movie touch anybody. Movie Rogue, yes. Mm-hmm. Comic Rogue, no, I would say. So of the main characters, like we're not going to get into the super weeds here. I think Cyclops might have one of the worst powers of anybody. Because it's just, okay, he shoots laser beams out of his eyes. Awesome. Well, guess what? You know, cover his fucking eyes like he's done, you know, or take out his eyes with a spoon, you know, go, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, that old movie, um, Slumdog Millionaire style, and then he's done. So I'd say he's kind of got one of the the worst, and his brother Havoc was similar, but the beam came out, came out of his chest, so I guess that would be worse than yeah, the eyes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not great. I mean, yeah, there's some of these lesser powers that are cool in the scenes, but not maybe... Like, would you rather have Storm's powers or Cyclops? I'd say Storm, because you can yeah, always make good weather. At least I could always weather. have a nice day whenever I'm yeah. going anywhere, you know? Would you rather have Wolverines or Cyclops? Wolverine. Yep. Um, Mystique or Cyclops? Mystique. Mystique. Beast. Beast. Beast is probably one that's uh, on the fringe there, but yeah. I'd say Beast, because he's got... I don't know if the intelligence is part of his actual I think it is, thing. yeah. So if so, then you want to be Beast. But you go down the list, which ones are worse? Maybe Sabretooth? I guess Sabretooth would be shitty. But he, does he have uh, healing capabilities as well? Or he does not, not like Logan. No, no, not, not like Wolverine. Logan, yeah. So maybe Sabretooth's worse. Yeah. But I'm just saying he's one of the main characters and he's got one of the worst kind of uh, he can, skills. Yeah. And it, I guess it compares to like, you know, the ones you can hide, the ones you can't. He, for the most part, can, even though he has to wear that eye protection yeah. to keep his beams from killing everyone around him. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not great. So yeah, I'm with you there. So Scott, you are you are likable, but you just every scene in these movies, you're a swarly. Completely agree. Um, so my swarly of the week, I'm just gonna say the X Men okay. films. Oh, our swarlies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the streaming of the X Men. Oh yes, yes, that is swarly. That is very swarlyish, right? So you can get a good amount of them on Disney Plus now. But guess what? The Wolverine is on HBO Max. But X-Men Origins Wolverine is not on anything. Um, And then uh, Logan was on Hulu. So you got to go through like four different services in order to find all the different movies, which is absurd. Luckily, I have all of them on uh, DVD and Blu-ray, so not a big deal for the most part. But when you're just trying to sit down, throw it on the TV and go through a streaming service, it'd be nice to have all of them in one cohesive location. Yes, they're all over the place. And maybe eventually they will get their way. I don't know if it's the last of the rights. It's kind of like the Harry Potter Probably back and forth. Probably at a certain point. Where right? HBO and NBC, like, I don't know, have some sort of thing where HBO still has, like, old rights that's going to expire, I think, in a year or two. So what they do is they borrow it half the year. So, like, a couple months, it's on HBO, and then it's on, like, Paramount. Like, they basically volley the series back and forth. It's, it's just, like, with Disney now owning, like, the rights, right? You have most of them on Disney+, mm-hmm. Plus, but Disney also owns Hulu. So why is the one that's on Hulu, Logan, not also on Disney+, Plus? like, why is it on one know. or the other? Like, You're what so is right. the decision-making process I feel like here? it has to be old deals. It's got to be that just Like, they happened. sold it to Hulu, but not, like, for this amount of time, but not, you know, you Disney can't Plus. Disney+, Plus, and so they get to say only on Hulu for this X amount of time, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that's, that's probably what's happening. It's just these movies have come out... You know, a good amount of years ago. Now, Logan was four years ago, and it's yeah. on Hulu. Uh, but, yeah, that's my swarly of the week, just the uh, the hassle it was to try to find all the movies on various different yes, streaming sites. Yes, I'm with you. So swarly-ish. Let's get to our friendship question of the week, which was your pick, and you had a good one. What is it? So just to go with the X-Men theme this week, if you could be any X-Men character, 
who would you be and why? And I am taking off. Well, I guess once we made it character, not powers, I was, I was going to say Jean Grey is not fair because she could literally do anything she wants. Yes. Yeah. But if you're being the character, that means you're probably just going to kill everybody. Yeah, you're you going to kill everyone. In every timeline, you kill people. So, <laughs> <laughs> really. Um, yeah, I mean, if it was just powers, I probably would want Charles. Uh, if it was Professor just powers. X powers, I probably would want his. But, but if it's a character. The, yeah, you have to be in I a mean, wheelchair. man, I'd be in a wheelchair, but man, do I have a gauntlet of things that go on with me? So I don't, <laughs> I don't really want to be him. Um, I'm, I'm torn between Hope Summers and. What did Hope Summers do? She had the ability to mimic powers if she was near them. Oh, like okay. to a, And as she got older, she you know, the length of space between them. So she could actually have versus rogue who sucks your life force and kind of takes them. Now comics rogue, she could fly. She could do, she kind of like reached this like ultimate power of herself where yeah. she, it wasn't such a, like, I'm going to kill you every time I touch you thing. So that's more realized. So I, I think I would go rogue. Rogue. Okay. Not movie rogue because okay. that life sucks as movie rogue. Okay. That's what I was going to ask <laughs> yeah. for the clarification. Cause that's an odd one. Um, Wolverine's tough because he he's immortal, which you think is awesome, but then, like you said, you have to deal with all your friends. You're and gonna go through so much pain. <laughs> yeah, Professor X, that'd be too tough to deal with. Magneto, ha- he's like one of the most yeah. powerful ones, right? He can move metal, but all he can do is move metal. There are plenty of other ones that can move anything they he want. He can fly though. Well, if there's metal nearby to like no, push no, him the out. magnetic. I think he uses the magnetic force Mag- in the earth. Yeah, because oh, in, in the, that apocalypse, right, right. he right. uses it to try to end the earth. Yeah, but that's true. there's always technically metal around. He would not be mine though. Yeah. Beast, you have to is, be a villain. You want to be a bad guy? I kind of do. Um, beast, you can't really hide in plain sight if you're beast. I think the obvious ones for me, I'm going between. Uh, I'm a frost. Because Emma Frost has basically Charles's reading okay. mind's capabilities, yes. but also she has like the basically the diamond skin, right? right? So she can't be hurt if she mm-hmm. turns into that or can't be penetrated with anything. Um, and the other Giggity. one I was, huh? Giggity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, and the other one I was between was uh, Quicksilver. I think it'd oh, be pretty yeah, cool okay, to just okay, be yes. super freaking fast. That's so true. Yeah, that's a good one. You can speed read. You can read a ton yep. of stuff. Like, you can learn a whole bunch. You can yep, do so much a in a day. You know what? I think I'm going to be Quicksilver because I could just get so much done in a day. No, he's a good one. I like Quicksilver. I would have been Mystique if she wasn't bad. I, w- I don't think I want to be the bad killer. Mystique's a but good she one. she's great power because, yeah, she's blue skin, but you could be anyone at any time. Yeah, so that would be pretty pretty awesome, In the fighting ability. Holy hell. Yeah, she's a badass yeah. fighter for sure. I think she'd probably be up there in my top three with a... Uh, actually, she'd probably go ahead of Emma Frost, I'm thinking. I yeah. think that'd just right? be cool. Reading yes, minds yes. would be awesome if you have the real controlled ability yes, to figure like it out. Professor X, like, like stopping people and, you know, exactly. controlling them. Emma Frost, I think, can just read. She can't control right. people with their minds, which I don't want to be a bad guy, start controlling people, <laughs> yeah. I guess, but yeah. it would be cool we, to be we able get to into pick consent me, like, issues. And so, yeah. yeah. I wonder what they're thinking right now. Yeah, huh, let's yeah. see. So, but, you uh, know, sometimes the more you know is not great. That's true. And Gambit, who's one of my favorites, obviously, but as far as power wise, all right, he can add kinetic energy through things. He's awesome with a bow staff, he's kind of witty and stuff. Uh, but I think it'd just be really cool to be super freaking fast. Yeah. I okay, think that'd be better than flying. Yeah, that's honestly, a good one. So. All right, I'm with you there. I think that finishes up on this X-Men franchise ranking. 
Um, we'll definitely put something up to see if you agree with our rankings or not. And we will be posting uh, after we release the episode and maybe leading up to the episode. We'll see how it goes. Be posting polls on Instagram and whatnot about your favorite characters. Kind of what we did with the Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of uh, character draft. We're going to do something similar for X-Men. Smaller scale. Yes. We're not going to do a million characters <laughs> like I did for Marvel. That was a lot. And also there's a lot of movies for Marvel. We're, we're a little bit more contained with X-Men anyway. Yes, yeah. We'll do, we'll do the fan faves. And with that being said, I'll see you next week. Well, that's it this week for Wrong Opinions Only. Follow us on Instagram at Wrong Opinions Only and on Twitter at Wrong Opinions JK, where we'll be dropping some clues and hints towards next week's episode. Until then, JK out.